Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Good morning. It is time for the word. We are uh, we're starting a new series this morning that I'm calling Seed to Soil. Seed to Soil. And so if you brought your Bibles, if you could open them to Mark chapter 4, I'm going to I'm going to jump right in this morning. Seed to Soil. We're really going to be talking about what many people have come to know as the parable of the sower. And uh, Jesus says that this parable is not like the other parables. This parable is super important. Um, We're going to read at the end of this today that Jesus even says, like, if you can't understand this parable, then you can't understand any of the other parables. So uh, if if Jesus is, first of all, if Jesus is speaking, we should be listening. (laughs) If Jesus is speaking, it's important. But if Jesus, like, emphasizes something or he says this is a key to other things, then uh, maybe not that we should pay more attention to it, but we should make sure that we're doing what we should do concerning paying attention to, uh, to that. So let's, let's read in Mark chapter 4. I'm going to begin in verse 1. It says, And he began to teach beside the sea, obviously this being Jesus, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd uh, was beside the sea on the land. Now, here, just a little context, a little visual for us to, to, to make sure that we're understanding what's happening. Jesus was close to the sea, and he began to teach, and people just started showing up. Crowds just started showing up, and there, there was so many people that it was too crowded. There was too many people there, so Jesus had to get into a boat. He had to separate himself so that everybody could see, so that everybody could hear, so that he could minister to everybody. Now, um, one of the things that, that always jumps out at me about this is Jesus, he ministered to the crowds. He, he preached to the crowds. Jesus loved the crowds. Whenever Jesus was around, we read about crowds forming and forming quickly and forming largely, just like they did here. You know, we read another story about Jesus uh, coming into a town and he was teaching in a house and the house was so full that you literally couldn't get another person in. And the reason that we know that is because, y- y'all remember the story, there were some friends that brought their, their, their friend who was paralyzed, they brought him and they, was, they couldn't even get him in the house so they had to break the roof off and lower him down like it was so crowded. Uh, we see Jesus, whenever he's around, whenever he's teaching, whenever he's preaching, crowds form and he connects with the crowds. He loves the crowds. But it's interesting how he handles the crowds. And this is, one of the, this is one of the best descriptions of how Jesus handles the crowds. In verse two it says, and he was teaching them many things in parables or stories. These are, these are stories. This is how Jesus would teach the crowds. Not, not always how he taught, but how he taught the crowds was in 
story form. And so he'd tell the crowds a story, and that's how he would teach them. And these stories are short stories, often fictitious stories. They're not real. Often they would have, uh, well, with Jesus, all the time, really, they would have spiritual truth. They would be deeper than the story that he was telling. But this is how he taught crowds, is he told them stories. Stories are powerful. Stories captivate us. They inspire us. The stories are the things that we remember. They are powerful. If you think about your favorite sermon, which I'm sure is the sermon you heard last week right here, and your second favorite sermon is the sermon you heard last week right here two weeks ago, right? (laughs) I know that's not true, but it's always funny to me when people like come up like, Pastor, that was the best sermon I've ever heard. Really? Because you said that last week too, and either I'm on a roll or you haven't heard very many sermons or this isn't real accurate. Like, I don't, I don't know. So there's some disconnect here. But, but if you think about your favorite sermon, oftentimes the spiritual truths that you remember from that sermon are connected to a story. If you even remember any sermons. Often they're connected to a story. This is also why in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, we're told that we conquer Satan by the blood of the lamb, by the sacrifice that Jesus made, and... The word of our testimony, the word of our story, us speaking and telling and remembering our story of what God has did, done in our lives. In verse three, or in verse two, it says that he was teaching them many things in parables and his teaching, he said to them. So here, here's the teaching. Here's the story he tells to the crowd. First of all, he says, listen. Now, this is not like him saying, listen. Hey, everybody, listen up. Hey, everybody, listen, listen. Hey, if you wouldn't mind, if y'all would just listen for a moment. No, no, no. This, this exclamation point and, and this word, when you look at the original language and context, is a command. This is Jesus saying, hey, listen. Listen up. Listen. This is not, this is not a suggestion. This is not like, hey, I, 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 it'd be really good if you... No, this is listen. This is important. Behold, a sower went out to sow. Now, in, in this time, in this region, with this group, of, this crowd that's gathered, he's about to tell them a story that they would be really familiar with. They understand a sower going out to sow. This is not how all of them made their living, but those who didn't make their living sowing seed and farming, essentially, they knew people who did. They saw this happening. They were very familiar with this process. So he says, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured it. So here you have a seed that falls along a path. And we get this path. This path in these times, um, it would have been this hard ground. And the reason the ground would have been hard is because people were walking on it consistently. People's animals were walking along it consistently. Uh, It was just the ground got packed down and got hard just from, I mean, we've seen this. We understand this. And so the first question I would ask is why is a, the sower's not very good if the sower's putting seed on a path. Like any sower, like, you know, I'm, I'm clearly like, I'm not a farmer. I'm not a sower. I'm not, it's not, like, I, I don't know about all that stuff. I, I grew up in the country, but it was a whole different kind of, it was more suburb. Uh-huh. I, I, I don't know about all this stuff, but I would know like, that's not good ground to put seed in. Like the path, the hard, because it just sits right there on top. It doesn't go in. It doesn't get any depth. It doesn't. Uh, penetrate the ground in any way. It just sits right on top. And so here we're told that this ground, that the birds just come and they, they snatch it up. 
Why would a sower do this? A sower would not be good if they sowed all their seed on the path. Well, you have to understand a little bit about this time and this area of what would happen. So if I were a sower, if I were a farmer, then I would probably have uh, a land, and it may not be that large, and, and in this land, there would be a portion of it that we're going to read about as good soil. And that portion would be near a path where people walked by. Uh, today, you know, there weren't paved roads back then, but it would have been even much closer than many of our paved roads in this time, in this location. So you'd have this little patch of land that was, that was good ground, but you'd also have land around it that we're going to read about that was not good, that would have included a path. So a sower, he's going, and, and the way that he's doing this is he has his seed, and he's scattering his seed because there is seed that's going to get where he wants it to go, and just a consequence of being sowing seed this way would mean that other seed doesn't go where it's supposed to go. Meaning this, a sower is not going to take his seed and drop it in each little nice and, and pretty row into the good soil. It just was not how they did uh, farming back then. So Jesus is like, there's a sower, he goes out, and some of the seed falls on the path, this hardened ground where people trample over. And birds, they come and they just pick it up. So this seed does not produce what it's supposed to produce. The, the seed fails, and then it says other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. So here, this is ground that's partially prepared ground. It, it, it has a little bit of soil for the seed to take root in, but it doesn't have very much. And so it doesn't last very long. And because of that lack of depth, then it just springs up and it fails. It doesn't produce what it's supposed to produce. It doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Now, again, this, this sower is just scattering the seed. So some of it has fallen on the path where people are trampling and the birds are swooping up. Some of it now has fallen along soil that has rocks in it. It's too hard for it to really do what it needs to do. When we keep reading, it says, um, and when, when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered Away. So here's a little more detail about that that fell in rocky ground. The sun comes and it, and it withers or it shrivels or it dries up the seed. Man, I can't wait for the coming weeks to really get into this and talk about this. So, so this, this seed, does, not only does it not get into the soil and be able to grow up, but it, it is scorched and it shrivels and dries up and withers away. Other seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. So this is a little different. So now in this seed that's being scattered out, there's some that falls on ground and it actually gets in the ground and it begins to grow. It's just, it grows alongside something that ends up killing it. It grows alongside these thorns. And so ultimately it lasts longer than the other seeds, but it doesn't produce what it needs to produce. And essentially it still fails. And then it says, and other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. 
So, so this fourth type of soil is this good soil that is soft, that is plowed, that is ready to receive the seed. And the seed gets down in it and, this, and the seed takes root and eventually the seed produces way more than the seed that was put into the ground. Some 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And then Jesus says this. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, that is the end of what Jesus told the crowd. <laughs> like, that, that would be the equivalent. Like, I just said more to you all than Jesus said to the crowd in this parable. The parable that he says, listen up. I am commanding you to listen and pay attention to this. Right here at this point, Jesus is done with them. This would be the equivalent of like, all right, everybody, God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for coming. Go Falcons. And by go Falcons, if they keep going this way, I'm about to go Falcons is going to mean just tank and get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. It's just, but y'all don't, that's, thank you. Thank you for that 30 seconds of letting me get that off my chest. <laughs> but, but that, like, that's it. Jesus is like, everybody listen up. I am commanding you to pay attention. There was a sower that went out and sowed. Some of it fell along the path, some of it fell along rocks, some of it fell along thorns, and some of it fell on good soil. The one that fell on good soil produced some 30, 60, 100 fold. If you have ears to hear, you can hear. God bless, good night, see you next week. Now, I can imagine if I was in that crowd, right? If I was a farmer in that crowd, I'd be like, Jesus, you just... <laughs> Why did I fight the crowds? Why did I come here? Why am I pushing? Like, I heard about you. I heard you were amazing. I thought maybe you might heal some people, raise some people from the dead. I thought you might let me levitate or I, I don't know. Like, well, I, I was expecting something supernatural and all you did was just tell me what, like, I do every day. <laughs> well, I didn't need to come here for this. <laughs> I think if, if pastors today, if we just memorized Jesus' sermons and preached them back to the crowds, People say, you know, I just don't get very much out of that church. It's not very deep. You know, I'm, I'm not being spiritually fed in that church. Because this is all Jesus told the crowd. This is it. You guys right now, we, like this is the crowd. And Jesus is like, God bless you. See you next week. I don't, I, you know, I could just imagine getting in that crowd and coming home to my wife and my wife is watching all three kids and I've been away for this long time trying to get a place to see Jesus and hear Jesus and find out this secret to the kingdom and all this stuff and, and I get home and my wife's like, oh man, so how was Jesus? You know, he just told a story. Well, what was the story? Like, man, I can imagine like it was a probably mate. No, I mean, he just said there was a farmer and he described what the farmer did every day. Well, did he tell you what it meant? Did he tell you, like, no, that was it. <laughs> I, think, I think if I was like willing to go back and hear Jesus the second time, I don't know that my wife would let me. Like I'm sitting here watching the kids doing whatever they did in that time. And like, you're, you're off away listening to this Jesus. And all he can tell you is what a farmer does during the day. Like you already know that. But especially if you were a Jewish man or woman in this time and you knew the Old Testament, you might begin to remember some of the Old Testament scriptures, 
This is Joseph and some of his dreams and seeds and trees and some of the ways that God has talked about this or even, I don't know, maybe um, seed, time, and harvest and how the whole world operates on seed, time, and harvest. So maybe that conversation when you got home didn't go like that. Maybe you got home and you said, man, Jesus told a story about this farmer who went out and sowed some seed and some of it produced and we, we know all that. But I wonder what God was really saying in that. I wonder, I wonder how we can apply that. I wonder how that fits into seed, time, and har- harvest. Oh, wait, maybe that was deeper. Maybe there's something to the soil of the ground. Maybe there's something in what I need to be or what I need to do in order to be that good soil, in order to have that thing that God gives me produce what God wants it to produce. Maybe, maybe there's something to this seed time and harvest where I need to learn how to be the harvest and allow the harvest to produce in my life. But let's be honest, that's going to take somebody who is very well versed in the scriptures to be able to make that jump. Many people in this crowd, they left and they had no idea what Jesus was talking about. And maybe Jesus is okay with that, but he does say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, of course, if not all of those people, most of those people had ears. He's not talking about natural ears, he's talking about spiritual ears. And then I love this in verse 10. It says, and when he was alone, those around him with the 12. So, so Jesus, he leaves the crowd and now he's alone with the disciples, the 12 apostles and disciples, but also there were other disciples and they're all now alone with him. And now when they're alone, it's only when they're alone that they asked him about the parables. Man, this is so good, right? Because if we're honest, we get into a setting where we're the crowd and maybe the pastor goes deeper than, hey, here's the story of a day of a farmer. But there's points, there's things where like we don't understand or we have questions or how do I apply this to my life that we can't have answered in the crowd. But the disciples, they had the access to Jesus. They were close enough to Jesus and Jesus was willing to give them the disclosure that they needed to be able to get the specifics and the details for their lives. They were able to go to Jesus, unlike the crowd, and say, Jesus, what did you mean by that story? Now, the good news today is you don't have to be chosen by me or by Jesus out of this crowd. Like, okay, today, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Y'all are the, y'all are the ones. Let's go back in my office after this and you can ask questions. No, today, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of all of us. And as long as we're willing, we have access and Jesus will give us the disclosure to give us the answers we need, but we need to stay close enough to Jesus and be willing to ask him the questions when we don't understand. And I'm going to tell you why in a minute, because there's a spoiler alert. Jesus expects us to know this. So they asked him about the parables and he said to them, to you, not to everybody, but to those disciples, those following Jesus. Now to us, it would be us because if we're a follower of Jesus, then this applies to us. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. To you, follower of Jesus, you've been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Now to them, here, they had been given the secret. The secret was Jesus. Jesus was given to them. They had access. They had disclosure. Jesus is now given to us and the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. The spirit of wisdom and knowledge in the revelation of God. 
The Holy Spirit who knows all things lives on the inside of us. And part of his job, if you've studied this out, is to bring things back to our remembrance. So now, if you're a believer in Jesus, you also have on the inside of you the secret of the kingdom. Meaning, you don't have an excuse to not know the things God wants you to know. But if you're not yet a believer, oh, you got an excuse because you don't have the secret. And listen, I believe most of us, if not all of us in here are believers. So, so let me say this really quickly, because um, I am quickly, I'm running out of time. When you're, if you're a believer and you're having conversations with unbelievers, let's just call it what it is. You're debating or arguing with unbelievers. Listen, until you can come to common ground about Jesus, you don't really have much to debate or argue about. It's like this. In college, I struggled with my first accounting class. And the reason is because in my mind, I love numbers. I love math. I, I, I love it. But in my mind, everything worked a certain way. Accounting seemed to be the complete opposite. It was just everything was backwards. So like I'm in chapter two in my, 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 in my college accounting class. My dad is a CPA. He's a certified public accountant. He's done it all of his adult life. So I'm in college, I'm on chapter two, I call my dad, I said, dad, this chapter two, I don't understand, like, I don't even remember, um, debits and credits, assets, liabilities, something, something, that, that I don't understand, like, all of this is backwards, can you help me with this? Do y'all know what my dad did? My dad started teaching me what was at the end of the book. I was on chapter two. I couldn't understand what he was talking about in chapter 22 because I didn't understand chapter two. It did him no good to tell me about chapter 22 when I didn't understand chapter two. When you get into these conversations, these debates, these arguments with people who are not believers in Jesus, you're arguing chapter 22 and they don't have chapter two. They don't have chapter one. If we can't come to an agreement on the foundation of who Jesus is, we don't really have any other arguments or debates to have. <laughs> because no matter what else, we talked about this last week, but no matter what else we argue or debate about, it pales in comparison to eternity with Jesus. So if you want to argue about Democrat or Republican, about conservative or liberal, if you want to argue about all these different things and policies or, or whatever, like, let's first come to common ground on Jesus, and we can go from there. Because from there, really, then Jesus is the one who changes hearts and minds anyway. It's, I, I don't know if you know this, but your intellect doesn't often change somebody's mind or heart. Jesus here saying, to you have been given the secret, but for those outside, everything is imperable. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive. And they may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now, let me, really quickly, let me see this. Everybody in the crowd, they would have seen, but they would have heard. But what Jesus is saying is they didn't understand, they didn't perceive. Let me say it another way. Jesus didn't confuse anybody by saying about the sower and the seed and the paths. They all understood the natural, what he was talking about. Like, like they, they, nobody was like, well, what's a seed? Well, what's a path? Well, why would they do that? They all understood that, but they didn't understand, they didn't perceive the spiritual meanings of these things. 
which is again why you get in these conversations with people and they, they can intellectually, they can naturally understand the concept of Jesus dying on the cross and rising again, but spiritually they don't get it. They, they, they see, but they don't perceive. They hear, but they don't understand. And the only way for us to have the secret, for us to have the ability to understand and to know and ultimately to have the seed produce like it's supposed to produce is that we should turn and be forgiven. Essentially, what's he talking about? He's talking about confession and repentance. About repentance. There is a connection between our willingness to repent and be right with God with our ability to not just see, but to perceive. Not just hear, but understand. In verse 13, he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Jesus expected them to understand it beyond the farmer, the seed, and the soil. He expected them to understand everything that we're going to look at over the next several weeks of how Jesus explains this parable. Now, this is fascinating because not only did they not understand it, but they, were, they, they didn't expect Jesus to expect them to understand it. Like They were like, Jesus, you know we don't understand this. Like Jesus, you, we, we haven't understood anything. <laughs> I mean, read through the disciples. Like They, they never got it. Like, they never got it. Jesus, like, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be risen again on three day, in three days. And, you know, I'm gonna live forever. And Jesus dies. And like, oh my God, what are we gonna do? Like, what? Like, he told you over and over and over. Like, like these masks. I can't tell if y'all are tracking with me or if I need to keep proving this point. <laughs> Jesus is like, you, if you, how do you not understand this? How do you not understand? If you can't understand this, you can't understand all the other parables. So not only is he commanding them to listen, but he is emphasizing the fact that this one, we have to understand. If you're new to following Jesus, if you're new to reading your Bible, then this is where we need to start in our, in our prayer, in our understanding, in our study, in our devotion. Because if we don't understand this, then we're gonna read the other parables, the other stories that Jesus told, and we are not going to understand them. We may see them, but we're not gonna perceive them. We may hear them, but we're not gonna understand them. Jesus says this is super super important, and he expects them to, to know the meaning of this. He expects them to understand this parable in order to be able to understand all the other parables. Over the next several weeks, we're gonna take uh, at least four more weeks, Lord willing, and, and we are going to go through the rest of these verses, and we're gonna unpack what does it mean what does the path mean? What does the rocky ground mean? What does the thorny ground mean? What is the good soil? How do we get from areas of our lives where we're rocky or where we're thorny or where we're the path? How do we get to good soil? And, and let me say this, because um, there's, there's been many teachings on this. Uh, there's been a, lo a lot of preaching on this. And, and one of the things that, that we'll talk about over the next several weeks is, listen, you may not be stony ground completely, like your entire heart, your entire being may not be stony ground. You, you, you may be a follower of Jesus who is good ground in one area 
And it's just there's an area of your heart where you're stony ground. So, so if, you, if you're right now like, oh, you know, pastor, I'm, I'm pretty righteous. Me and God are good. I'm, you know, I'm not perfect, but you're really just saying you're not perfect because you know you can't say you're perfect. But you really, in your mind, kind of think you're perfect. You, you, you know what I mean? Not, not y'all, other people like that. And you're like, yeah, this isn't really good for me because I'm already good soil. Listen, I promise you, I promise you all of us, including me, we have some portions of our heart that's not good soil. We have some portions that's not good soil. So much so that Jesus is telling this story. I mean, if you just do the math on this, right? Only 25% of this soil is good soil. (laughs) If all the seed is spread equally, 75% of the seed falls on ground that is not good soil. So unless we do some work to change the ground, just the seed that's sown, 75% of it's gonna fall on ground that doesn't produce. And and, and spoiler alert, the seed is the word. Our hearts, us, are the ground. So, unless we do some work, we're at best catching 25% of the word that's being sown in our lives. Let me close with this, because this applies to us, but but we also, and and we'll look at this, I I believe, beginning next week, we also, at times, are the sower. God is the sower, but also, at times, we are the sower. And so, if we are the sower, I can't do work on somebody else's ground, like that's their ground. You, You wouldn't show up and like, hey... Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to toil some of your ground for you to, to make you have good, like, no, no, like you got to work your own garden, right? So I couldn't go and, and, and work with somebody else's. So if that's the case, when we are the sower, which we should be the sower, if you're a believer in Jesus, that's not just benefit to you, but you have a purpose in the kingdom. So what do we do? If I can't change your soil, what do I do? If only 25% of the seed produces, if only 25% of the seed is good, what do I do? Only thing you can do. Sow more seed. <laughs> Sow more seed. If I got 100 seeds and, only, only, and I know only 25 are gonna produce, but I want 100 to produce, I need to, to what? what's the math on that? Give me 150 more seeds? For, for, uh, 400, yeah, whatever the math is on that. I told you, I, I, I got, after accounting, I was just, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but, but, but increase the seed. What does that mean for us? Yes, we're gonna talk about how to change our, our hearts to be good soil and what we need to do and how we can evaluate. We're gonna to get to all of that. But as believers, we need to be people that are sowing more seed because we recognize, hey, 25% of this seed is not going to, to, to hit good soil. Or is only 25% is gonna hit good soil. Let's not back away from being scatterers of seed. Let's look for opportunity. I'm not talking about necessarily preaching, even though maybe that is what, what, how God wants you to scatter seed. It could be telling your story. It could be praying. It could be being generous. It could be offering forgiveness. It could be, uh, I was gonna say, smiling at people throughout the day, but now, you know, they're not even gonna be able to see it. They can see it in your eyes, right? But, but, but just finding ways to spread the gospel, finding ways to sow seed, finding ways to share Jesus with people, however much you've been doing it, let's increase it. Let's increase it. And let's be people that are tough enough to know 75% just on average or, you know, is like gonna be rejected. And that's not about me, that's about Jesus and them. 
Let's be tough enough to be able to scatter that seed. Over the next several weeks, we're gonna go through the rest of these verses as he tells this parable that he says is so important. And this is not like being dramatic or hyperbole or anything like that, but I believe that if we will get this, if we will study this, if we'll get it on the inside of us and understand it, it will literally change our lives. It will change the course and the direction of the rest of our lives. Things that you didn't know why it happened, you'll begin to see and understand. Things that you wanted to be different, you'll see how to make them different. Things that you didn't know how to reconcile, I'm not saying this is gonna give you every answer to every question you've ever had, but this will set us up to change our lives. It's why Jesus emphasized it so much and expects us, he expects us to understand this parable, maybe even more so than any other parable that he told us about. So I encourage you guys not just uh, to take this word and and go through and and study Mark chapter four, but I encourage you to come back next week or watch online next week to make sure that you follow along with this and get everything God wants you to have out of this. Before we go, let me pray for us this morning. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.